You can choose to let something defeat you, or you can choose to let it define the person that you want to become. What's shaking? Welcome back to the All In Podcast. I'm Rick Jordan, your host. And I have a dude on today who was born July 4th, 1985. And I'm saying that specifically because he only weighed two pounds, 10 ounces, and was three months premature, later to be diagnosed with cerebral palsy. But now get this, right? An award-winning entrepreneur, accessibility consultant, and inspirational speaker with memorable moments that include, you know, just like TEDx, Stanley Park, United Way as an impact speaker, and the Duke of Edinburgh Awards. Amazing. Marco Pasqua. How you doing, my man? I'm doing awesome. And thanks so much. That was a really unique way to do my intro. I also love it because I know you're from the States. I'm from Canada, but July 4th means a lot to me. Obviously, it's uh, the U.S.'s Independence Day, but it's also the day that signals my independence. And especially because I was born with a disability, I wanted to prove to my parents that I could be as independent as possible. And I think the way that you summarized my bio up to this point, you know, really highlights uh, how I displayed some of that independence. It's cool, man. Yeah, right on. That's exactly Exactly. Because I mean, we get biosent over all the time, but I personally review them and I find the parts that are just like amazing to highlight the journey. And that's what stuck out of me too, man, because you can see you were pretty much born with adversity immediately. Right. And then you've able to, you've been able to overcome those things and do some pretty powerful impact accomplishments in the world, dude. So kudos to you, man. I'd love to talk about some of those today too. Let's do that. Sure. Absolutely. I, I mean, cerebral palsy, dude, that's no, that's no like small thing, right? <laughs> No, no. I mean, cerebral palsy, it affects people differently. It's much like you probably heard people who are on the autism spectrum. Cerebral palsy is very much a spectrum. For me, it affects my two legs and my right arm. So my dexterity is a little bit affected. And as a result, it meant that I used a wheelchair my entire life. I used a manual wheelchair uh, to get around. Uh, But that I have a lot of grit in me. My dad was an immigrant. He immigrated to Canada from uh, Italy. And uh, and so I think that I have that not only that immigrant spirit in me to kind of fight and to prove to people uh, that you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. But also, I think that that's also what contributed to me being a stronger entrepreneur is is being born with a disability, facing adversity, being able to adapt on the fly. And as you know, with COVID now, we're all having to adapt in unique and interesting ways. So yeah, man, that's what I try to do. For sure. You know, it's interesting. And I mean, this isn't even like a comparison, really. But the only thing I can liken it to in my own life was when I had twins, you know, as our first having multiples as my first kids. And just I always told people like, oh, when they would say, oh, that must have been hard, you know, and I would say, I just didn't know any different. (laughs) What else am I going to do besides just plow through it? You know? That's what you got to do, right? Like you you get faced these interesting things and you just kind of go with it. And it's actually interesting you bring up parenting because my wife is five weeks away from giving birth to our first child. So Awesome, dude. Uh, Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. So we're really looking forward to that, but that's going to definitely bring the lens of accessibility to a whole new light for me because now I'm a dad who uses a wheelchair, who's also going to have to uh, manage pushing around a stroller and all of the the wonderful things that come with parenting, but it's exciting times. Man, I have no doubts that that you're just going to shine through that moment too, because I mean, it's just incredible. You know, tell me about it when you were young, you know, because I mean, you were, this obviously was since you were born, 
right? But what were some of the challenges that you faced just like before you were age 10 that you can remember? Yeah, well, so to be honest with you, you know, a lot of the things that are faced first is attitudinal barriers before you deal with physical barriers. And I think that people made assumptions that because I was in a chair, that just meant that I was going to be okay with being complacent in life, um, that I would maybe be happy with just sitting on supports. And, you know, I, I faced a lot of these things, but because my dad was an athlete by nature and he wanted me to get involved and get out there, of course, he was originally discouraged a little bit learning that I had cerebral palsy at birth and he wanted me to become a, a soccer star go figure he's an Italian uh, but then uh, because of his love of sports I developed a love for sports as well and team dynamics and working in a team setting and so I ended up you know getting involved in wheelchair basketball horseback riding swimming weightlifting uh, and track and field and showing him that even though I was facing these adversities that I was able to really excel and push myself past things that people didn't think were possible. And then my gift for the gab actually came from my mother because she worked in the telephone industry uh, for over 35 years. And as a child having a disability, I had opportunities to go on local telethons, national uh, radio shows and things like this. And I was uh, I was featured on a national charity in Canada uh, where we were talking about people with disabilities and raising money for kids with disabilities to go to summer camp. And that was my first real glimpse and how you can use the media and the news for good opportunities. When I was, when I had basically was given a mic and said, Marco, tell, tell the world what you want to say about what it means to be a person with a disability. And I realized that you could use that platform to actually meaningfully change people's lives. I mean, that was it. I was hooked. And I didn't know at the time that then I was going to later pursue a career as a speaker. Dude, that's amazing. So, I mean, so many opportunities that you had even before the age of 10 from what you're telling me. And that's incredible, man. But uh, your parents, man, I'd like to give them some credit too, because it's almost like they did not allow you. Because I mean, when you're that young, right, you really don't have many choices for yourself, you know, at, at that point in time. But that's incredible, dude, that they just afforded you the ability to see those opportunities and just point that out. Well, each and every one of us lives through the ideologies of our parents before we have the opportunity to decide the kind of people that we want to be. And as I said earlier, the fighting spirit of my dad and really saying, like, I want to make a better life for my family. I think that that really stuck with me. And and I wanted to show my parents that although it may seem like a disadvantage, having a disability doesn't have to be a disadvantage. It can be an opportunity to change people's minds and shift perspectives and change stigmas. And I think that that really stuck with me. And because I had uh, 13 surgeries from the age zero to 13 as a result Whoa. of many complications. Uh, I was in hospital basically my entire childhood. But as a result of being in the hospital, the only people I were around were surgeons and very smart people. And I had both my legs broken from my hips to my ankles to straighten my legs out as a result of my cerebral palsy. And so now I was somebody with cerebral palsy who also now voluntarily had both his legs broken to straighten them out. And I was in a cast for two months. So what do you do? You just sit there, you hear conversations, you learn how to articulate yourself. And I learned the gift of the gab and to be able to articulate myself, much of the likes of these doctors and these adults at a very early age. And it really became a powerful tool for me. That's incredible, man. 13 surgeries by the time you were age 13. That's incredible. Yes. Dang. Talk about stunting your growth just as you're growing. And then they go, can we break your legs? Well, I didn't necessarily want to go down that road, but if you say that's the best path for me, then let's go for it. Yeah. No kidding. I had a friend who, who uh, suffered from dwarfism and he, the, he went through some of the same surgery because it was like bow legs. Right. And, and dude, I, 
I remember when he had the pins in there. I mean, (laughs) I spent probably, it was like three to four nights a week for maybe 12 weeks just over at his house, just hanging out with him because I mean, he really couldn't go anywhere because he had all these cages wrapped around both legs, you know, just seeing him go through that process. But dude, we got through a lot of like long, (laughs) like multiple installment movies, you know, (laughs) during that time period. Yeah, you have a, you have a, you have a choice, right? You can choose to let something defeat you, or you can choose to let it define the person that you want to become. And I chose the latter uh, in in you know sort of my my mindset, and uh, I've never looked back ever since. And I've tried to dedicate my life to taking my gifts and my talents as opposed to focusing on a disability and using that to highlight some of the projects that I work on today as an adult. That's awesome, man. Let's talk about some of those projects if we can, you know, because you got Like.Ventures, right? www.like.ventures. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah. Like Ventures is such an interesting thing. So uh, let me give you a little bit of context first and foremost. So for those who are listening, you wouldn't know this, but my actual degree and background educationally is actually as a video game designer. So I I went and got a degree as a video game designer and I got a diploma and I went and worked in the game industry for uh, five years. And unfortunately, uh, during the 2010 recession, uh, much like we're facing here today with COVID, um, 1,500 people across North America in the company I worked at were let go. And that was devastating for me because that was the only thing that I had education in. Uh, so flash forward now to Like Ventures, what ended up happening is Like Ventures is this really cool initiative. It stands for uh, Learning, Innovation, Knowledge, Education. And it actually was established by, uh, now let me get the, the naming convention here correctly because I, I want to make sure that our marketing director uh, doesn't bite my head off. He's an amazing person. <laughs> Those marketing uh, directors. It, that's right. Exactly. Uh, so we're founded alongside the Yale School of Medicine Center for Digital Health and Innovation. And essentially what it is, is this initiative where Yale, uh, there was a board of directors at Yale who recognized that there's a lot of people making technological advances in healthcare, uh, but there isn't a lot of people highlighting that as far as Um, giving seed funding or acceleration funding to innovators that are trying to make changes and differences in technology and innovation. And I was actually approached by a member of the like team before ever actually becoming a member of the like team when they first were incepted. And he basically said, look, I've been stalking your career for a while now on LinkedIn. And uh, even though we're based uh, in the United States, Uh, I would love for you to become a part of our team because what we need is somebody with lived experience and your experience in technology and your technology background to really lend a proper voice to what it is that we're trying to do here. They're trying to, uh, we as a team are trying to merge three main areas. And that is uh, people that are in the technology field, people that are in the healthcare field, and those people who are in venture capitalists and don't know those unsung heroes yet that are actually trying to make meaningful work and, and meaningful projects that actually change the world. So that's a that's a very brief way of describing what Like is. But our kickoff event this year is on October 14th. We were originally going to have it in Silicon Valley because we have connections with some of the big tech companies. However, due to COVID, we decided to pivot uh, recently within the last month or so to a primarily virtual event to uh, bridge the gap, educate people on different um, keynote topics, different uh, panel experts who are speaking from experience in this field and hopefully getting some of these new companies or new innovators uh, in the same likes as people from, uh, say, Google, Uber, Apple, that kind of thing. 
That's awesome, man. You've got you've got high lofty vision, man, and that's fantastic. You know, I always I always like to say that you know who cares about the realistic goals? You know, go for some unrealistic goals. <laughs> you got to shoot for the stars, otherwise you'll you're become complacent with just being like everybody else. That's awesome, man. I'm seeing in your background there too, because I you know you talked about being a video game designer, and I see flat. You're like hitting amazing things for both of my sons a 13 year old 11 year old. you got flash there for my 13 year old but then you also have doc brown man from the i see back there I, your eyes are good i'm glad you can see doc brown from the back so yeah there, there's definitely context to that so the flash is my favorite superhero character and it's because he's a superhero that always finds another way he doesn't necessarily resort to uh to you know hurting his his enemies he always finds a creative and innovative way to to solve a problem and because i'm in a chair and i'm not necessarily as fast as the flash talking about ambitions you know with the flash and how quick he moves around and then of course with back to the future i have a huge um weird hobby actually of uh, i love quantum physics and the idea that we're all in control of our own destiny and when i first saw back to the future when i was about five years old it was about five years after it was released in theaters um that completely changed my life in terms of being able to understand that uh, we're in control of our own future and no one else is and every single minute decision that we make creates a ripple effect that changes other people's lives and it's kind of a mantra for me to carry that through so that's awesome, man. I, I really like how you said that we are in control of our future, but then you tag that with, and no one else is. Correct. Right. That's Absolutely. That's beautiful, man. Because I mean, people, there, there's excuses, right? They come up and be like, oh, but this person did that to me or this person that. Well, yeah, but you know, what's your response to something like that? Because it doesn't have to define you because the moment that that happens, that someone wrongs you, that is now quite literally in the past in your life. Absolutely. As soon as it happens, it's done. And you know, there might be some ripples, like you said, that are there, but that incident is now in the past. Uh, you got it. And, and, you know, as they, as the adage says, you're allowing somebody to live rent free in your mind. So if you sit there and you ruminate on someone making you upset or frustrating you, the only person who's actually suffering is yourself because that person who upsets you, they probably have already moved on with their life because sometimes these people get stuck in cycles for themselves. And oftentimes it's a negative reflection on how they feel about themselves, not necessarily how they feel about you. And I don't want to come across overly optimistic, but I'm a guy that always looks at the positive side of things, right? I mean, I've kind of had to train myself to do that. And I, I think that every single opportunity that we have in life, good or bad, there is no win or lose. There's win and learn. That's the way I look at it, right? Uh, you can't lose something when there's always knowledge to gain. And so through the experiences that I've had, I, I mean, that's been proof, but also I'm a huge believer in manifestation and some would say the law of attraction, but I think that the, the traditional thing that the law of attraction is missing, and I use quotations here and uh, books like The Secret, is that it's just this glorified sort of, well, if you dream it, it will happen. But the thing that I think that is missing in a lot of these ideologies is that action is missing. You see, so you have to be able to take action with those thoughts. You can't just dream of having a Ferrari and then a Ferrari is going to drop from the ceiling. It's what actions are you taking in your life in order to get to the next step, to the next step until you finally manifest that manifest that destiny. And at the end of the day, it comes down to uh, blood, sweat and tears for a lot of that hard work. No doubt. Yeah. You know, you're right, man, because I've read the book, The Secret. I've also watched the documentary and the law of attraction is something that I ascribe to in certain ways. But you're right, because the law of attraction is pretty much that's the choice part of it. That's the decision part of it. 
But then, it, I mean, you can make decisions all day long, but I mean, sitting back in your chair, nothing's going to happen until you take action off of that, man. I love that. Yeah. Think of it this way. The action is the fuel that gets the engine moving, right? So you might have this beautifully designed engine and you're ready to move the car forward. But if you don't have any gasoline in there, that car is not going anywhere, right? So I, I think that the true actions and the actions that you take, they are going to take a ripple effect. And I have this uh, rule of 72 hours, the rule of three days. If something may seem shitty today, that doesn't mean it's going to stay that way forever. So I give myself three days. And every single time I tell myself it's only going to take three days, by the end of that 72nd hour, I'm ready to go, man. There's a solution that's been presented in front of me. And it's because I always believe there's a way out. That's fantastic. So you look around it. I mean, that, that's a, now you're starting to get in the quantum <laughs> realm with that stuff too, because it, yeah, you're projecting it out there saying, Hey, you know what, by, by the end of 72 hours, but here's the difference with that, right? Because it, when you have that kind of mindset and I'm, I'm understanding what you're saying with this too, when you're saying, Hey, I know in 72 hours, now there's a, there will be a solution that presents itself. And so it's still literally taking action by saying that is what you're doing because now you're putting yourself in the mindset to actually look around for those solutions to be presenting themselves. You're not going to ignore them. No, no. I think that there is a lot more, for lack of a better term, gamification to our life on this planet. I don't think that people have realized that the universe has an interesting way of showing us the lessons we're supposed to learn. And if you refuse to learn those lessons, it's funny how they continue to repeat themselves. But the second that you take a pragmatic pause and you say, wait a minute, am I just being egotistical right now? Am I just being stuck in my own head? And you actually take a step back and say, what are the pieces that I'm forgetting to learn here? The second that you absorb that, decide to learn it, all of a sudden, it's like you just said, that opportunity presents itself and you say, I think that this is what that lesson was supposed to be. I think that this is the train I'm supposed to jump on right now. That's cool. Yeah. Now it's like your eyes are open, right? Yeah. I love that. The fuel to get the car going. Or it's like, you know, you got to fill up Mr. Fusion first if you want to get up to 88 miles an hour. Oh, thank that you for the answer. references. I appreciate it. I'm so committed to Back to the Future. I don't know if you can see this. I have a flux capacitor tattooed on, on my arm. Fantastic. And, uh, and I have the universe and, uh, and, and, and all of that on the other side. So I'm always reminded that I can be sort of my own controller here. And, and Like Ventures is a great aspect of that. The reason I said yes to Like Ventures, just to get back to the team at Like, first of all, they're an incredible bunch of people. There are six of us that are bringing this dream to a reality. And uh, there's some really incredible people. Right now, every single one of us, our blood, sweat, and tears, we're volunteering our time to get this venture off the ground. So we would call that in the biz sweat equity, uh, you know, to get this venture off the ground. But we have big ambitions and big dreams for it. And I think that, you know, like attracts like, as they say, or steel sharpens steel. So you are the average of the people you spend the most time with, you know, in learning who these individuals are that are part of our team and what their ambitions are in terms of changing the world and wanting to do good. There is one thing that you can see in, in Silicon Valley is that there are good people. And just like everywhere in the world, there are not so good people. And I always said to the team, if you're going to invite me on as the chair of this Like Ventures Accessibility Conference, I only have one rule. And that is, if this thing starts to deviate and go down a pathway of ethicalness that I am not in alignment with, that is not in alignment with doing good and being good, then I'm out. 
And right away, the team agreed, absolutely. No, we're only here to do good work, to do great things. Like, of course, you can have a great company and you can make money eventually from that company, but you can also do amazing things while you're doing that. And so I love that everyone is in alignment on our team and we're really excited to bring that event forward on October 14th. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I love that. Dude, when did you first realize that you could use your words to inspire and motivate other people? Yeah. Oh, that's a great, well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I had opportunities when I was a kid uh, to be on a lot of uh, different television shows and, and charities and things of this nature. And there's a local radio host by the name of Red Robinson um, here in British Columbia. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much close to Vancouver, British Columbia with the likes of Seth Rogen and, uh, and, and guys like that. But um, Red Robinson he is the guy who brought interviews of Elvis, the Beatles to Canada. So it was a big deal for me that, that Red Robinson was the host of this telethon. And actually, I have video footage uh, from the very moment that I met him when I was first nine years old. And he asked me why I love the suburb camp for people with disabilities so much. And I explained to him that it made me feel just like every other boy and girl that are out there and that I just wanted to be able to give back. And I presented a little check of $100 of my own money from my parents to say that I was so committed to that, that I wanted to pay it forward and even give my money as a nine-year-old so that other kids could go to camp. And Red was so blown away by the way I articulated myself that he said, you know what, Marco, uh, how would you like to come back next year and be our official ambassador or spokesperson for this event? And I said, sure. And that created this whirlwind opportunity of um, me getting called into the principal's office as a young kid in elementary school, but not because I was a bad boy, because I had to take radio interviews at six o'clock in the morning and things like this. And I, I was their ambassador uh, for a full year being flown all across Canada uh, talking about the needs of this. And I thought to myself, now this is what doing good really means. And it just stuck with me. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I know Red Robinson, he was the first DJ to play rock and roll right? To play any kind of rock music in Canada. I love that you know that. That's incredible. Yeah. Rick, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Red, uh, you are Rick. Uh, he is, um, he is a, a really, really good friend of mine still. And he is he kind of retired, not retired. Like he still does things here and there, but he is still with us. And it's incredible to learn some of his stories uh, from back in the day, especially since he's, uh, you know, basically interacted with some of the biggest stars you could ever imagine and some that you couldn't even imagine. And he was there for it all. That's incredible. I love that, man. So you have a, you have cube, right? What's this cube thing that I was reading about? Yeah. So, uh, that's an acronym. It stands for creatively utilize your best energy, C U B E. And in, in a nutshell, essentially what it comes down to is people kept asking me how I was meeting the people I was meeting, how I was manifesting the things I was manifesting. And I just kept saying to them, I don't know. I mean, I'm just creatively utilizing my best energy to get out there and make meaningful connections with people. And eventually people kept saying to me, well, can you teach me how to do that? And I was like, well, I mean, I, I guess I could teach you how to do that. Sure. And so I want to preface this with the fact of this is not snake oil salesman or anything like this. I'm not trying to sell something to people. This is me just uh, learning a way to systemize what meaningful connections actually mean, because we live in a world that's digital now with social media. And a lot of the connections that we make by either social media or in person, they're pretty superficial. They're pretty artificial. And I find that people forget what it means to actually make a meaningful connection with people that they're actually 
connecting with. And so I want to remind people that the human connection and human value really does have a place and that we can't just replace that with the artificial presence of an avatar that we create for ourselves online. And so that's what Cube is all about. That's awesome, man. Yeah, you know, I, I keep thinking, you know, back to your childhood, you know, and obviously you were born in the 80s and there wasn't much tech around the, that time, right? Because I was born just a few years before you. And you know, by a few, I mean, it's like five years, six years, that's it. And <laughs> yeah, but you, you see the trends of technology through time. And I mean, back then you had, you had a wheelchair, right? But there's so much better tech around nowadays, you know, for, for those with, with any kind of disability, how has tech changed your ability to, to function, to reach people, to make a bigger impact? Well, I mean, this uh, podcast right here is a perfect example. I, I don't know if I would be on your show if it wasn't for technology right now. In fact, I, I'm sure of it. And I, I think that if anything, the disability community has been screaming for opportunities of remote work since as long as I can remember, especially as an accessibility consultant, you know, and it's kind of funny how the companies that would say we just don't have the technology to make this happen weeks before the pandemic really hit us hard, miraculously a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden had the technology to make this happen. And so although I do not wish uh, a pandemic on the world, I want to make that clear. I am so grateful of the positive things that have come as a result of this pandemic, because I think it opened people's eyes up because we were all getting complacent as a human race and we were all getting kind of used to our routine. And sometimes you need moments of devastation to bring out the most in innovation out of people. And I think that that's exactly what this pandemic has done. And it's really highlighted that although some of my friends and colleagues who are not able to move around as easily as I am able to, maybe they are using power wheelchairs, maybe they have care workers or people that help them on the day to day. This is now leveling the playing field for people to work from home who are incredible people, but for one reason or another, they maybe didn't have opportunities to go work in a physical brick and mortar environment, but they're the most intelligent people you'll ever meet. Now they're getting the opportunity to actually interview for companies that they wouldn't have had a chance to before and really let their talent, their talent shine. So things like Bluetooth technology, things like um, smart assistants and speakers and things like this has really blown the door open to what is truly possible. And as a dad to be, I can tell you that I'm a huge techie. As, as you know, my background's in tech, as I explained. And when we were setting up our nursery for my baby, who's you know soon going to be here, uh, we have everything from, you know, uh, robots that kind of open and close the blinds, uh, you know, by using your voice. Um, I have under crib lighting um, that we can just say crib lights on to turn the lights on. And people should know that my crib has been raised so that I can just wheel my wheelchair right underneath it and open the side of the crib using bifold doors so that I can reach the child without having to lean over and grab the child and hurt my back or my wife to hurt her back. So these are the kinds of technologies. It doesn't have to always be sci-fi, but sometimes universal design and accessibility is about practicality for everyone so that everyone everywhere has the same opportunity to use the technology the way that it was intended. Man, that's amazing. All these, I mean, for lack of a better term, gadgets that you've put in, in place at your house just to make everything functional for everybody. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing about yeah. the principles of universal design is that whether you're nine or you're 90, um, you should be able to go into a space. And, and the often the misnomer that I hear from people when it comes to accessibility with my accessibility hat on is they go, well, I don't understand. You said that this space is super accessible, but I don't see any accessibility. And I said, exactly. 
you know, because if it truly is universally accessible, it means that it doesn't necessarily stick out like a sore thumb. And I think that that's what we want to change with like ventures is the, the stigma that accessibility means a medical approach to accessibility, that everything has to have grab bars that are noticeable or ramps or things like this. You can have all of those things, but they can also be aesthetically pleasing and work for everyone in the space. That's incredible, dude. I just want to say that I admire you for this too, because even talking about your crib, an example, right? You know, because now it's not going to be like, hey, honey, the baby's crying. Right. And that that's the whole thing. You could you are 100 percent involved as a dad to even get up in, in the middle of the night just because of the modifications that you've made. What I'm saying is that, dude, way to go for not letting your disability be an excuse to be below average. I really appreciate that, man. Listen, I want to be an active participant. And I think the the most exciting thing about being a dad to be is that I get to raise my child in seat seeing the world the way that I see the world, which is from uh, the, the, the side of good and the side of how can you contribute back to the world and, and that your dad didn't make any excuses for himself. So then you have no excuses to make either. And so I dream, but nothing more than the life that I had for myself exemplified further for my child to, to be a real change maker in the world. And I, I can't wait for that to happen. Dude, that's fantastic. You know, when did you say that the, the baby's coming? What month? Uh, actually, I think it's the spring sol the beginning of the spring solstice. So March 21st. And that's a big deal to my wife. She says, I hope the baby comes exactly on the 21st. Cause she loves the idea that it's the start of something fresh, you know, because <laughs> Hey, the last year has shown yeah, us anything. Yeah. We all need a fresh start, right? We all need a fresh yeah. start to the last the year that we faced no doubt uh, over months, regardless right? so. i mean coming from a dad dude it's going to be a fresh start whether it's a solstice or not it's a, it's <laughs> definitely a dividing point in your life no joke well we're we're more than thrilled and i'm i'm just blessed because i i want to mention this so that the audience knows uh my wife doesn't have any form of disability you know people think that people with disabilities must be dating or just married to other people with disabilities but that's of course an ignorant statement but it's just also not true um and my wife is just an incredible person and she's actually involved in the accessibility space herself She's the universal design and accessibility specialist for our city. That's not actually how we met. In fact, in fact, she is the person who took over my former portfolio. I, I used to part-time support my city at City Hall in doing this. And uh, when she uh, changed careers from being an event manager uh, in not-for-profits, um, they said, Marco, we want you back. And I said, well, my speaking uh, agenda is kind of making it difficult for me to be able to have the time to help City Hall. And they said, well, do you know anyone else that could fit in the position? And I said, Actually, I think that I do. And it happened to be my wife. So go figure when she's looking at my old uh, my old agenda and plan for the city. And then she's the one that's able to criticize me and go, I think I can do this better, especially as my wife. That's the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. I love that. Uh, there's something you said in there too. And I'm just going to call out and read between the lines and the straight truth on this too, because uh, I'm thinking about this as you're talking about, it's like, wait, you're saying that somebody without a disability could actually fall in love with somebody with a disability? You know, like somebody without a disability could like somebody and want to spend their life with somebody with a disability. You know, the, uh, of course. Hello. You know, and th this is like the straight truth, too, because it maybe maybe this is right. You know, the law of attraction for people that are listening right now. Right. Maybe they gave themselves 72 hours for a solution to present itself. And now they're listening to this show right now. Right. Because it's this is the encouragement for them, because maybe the reason why they're treated differently is because they've put themselves in the position to be treated differently. Those with the oh, disability. I love that. 
I love that. You know, I'm a big subscriber in the fact of not putting myself into boxes, which gets me into trouble in the diversity and inclusion space because <laughs> probably a little. We're in a, <laughs> yeah. we're, in, we're, we're in a very um, divisive world today, and I don't want to get into politics or anything like that. But I will say this. I don't believe that anyone should necessarily hold so close one label or another for themselves. If that's something that makes them comfortable, then absolutely, I'm all for it. But the only label that matters to me is that we're human beings. And the conversation should end there because I subscribe to what Martin Luther King used to say, which is judge a person by their content of their character, nothing more, right? Whether it's the color of skin or anything else. Um, all I want to know is, are you a good person and can we do good work together? And I think that as much as it's great to say that you're part of this community or that community, or I'm a person with a disability and this and this and this and this, the more that we start to segment ourselves, the more that we start to put ourselves into little boxes and tinier boxes and smaller boxes, the more that we're actually doing the opposite of what it is that we're trying to do, which is unify, which has come together. So I think people need to remember that it doesn't matter the hat that you wear, the title that you have, the color of your skin, any of these things. It's what are you doing at the end of the day? Can you hang up your hat at the end of the day and sleep well? at night knowing that you've made a difference period dude that's huge i love that my man you know what I, 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 you've been sharing messages and advice the whole way but from a business perspective you know because you were just saying uh, talking about labels right and there, there's a lot of you know even if you go you're talking about colors of skin and everything and there's benefits that are out there at least in the u.s you know about i don't know about the canada for you know if it's uh female-owned businesses or if it you know it's generally called minority-owned businesses or black-owned businesses you know they they get a leg up if they go for those qualifications and accept those labels on themselves but you're a dude who's dis who's disabled and that could be a label i mean that's a label right yeah, sure. Yeah, in a way, exactly. Yeah, it, 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 it is a label. It is a label. And I and and I actually subscribe to um person with disability because I like to put the, put the person first. But at the end of the day, as as I said earlier, it's about uh who I am as a person and not the disability itself, right? So so I to your point. I think that there is an ethical way to accept those labels and accept those opportunities, especially if you feel as though you have had less in your life. But here's, here's where it comes down to. I'm a person that could have easily said that I've had less in my life because of having a disability. Yes, full disclosure, I am a white heterosexual male. You know, So yes, some people might say, well, doesn't that put you in a position of privilege? But then look at my wheelchair. Does that really make me privileged? So I could learn I could learn to kind of have my own pity party and say, well, how can I take advantage of this system? Or I can say that, yes, these opportunities are available to me. So can I say yes to them? Yes. And in some cases, you can, especially if you're a young entrepreneur or you're somebody with a disability. Do say yes to those grants. But then what are you doing with those grants? Show through your actions that you're so much more than just a handout, that you're a hand up in this world and that you're not just going to take, but that you're actually going to take and then do something with it to give back to society dude you were just dropping truth bombs all over man that's incredible i'm trying thank i'm you. trying <laughs> <laughs> i love it you're inspiring me man thank you thank you i appreciate that <laughs> i'm loving this it, given all that i mean even with the label you know the to say i love the person with disability i love that much more how you're putting the person in front of that what do you think is the biggest factor so far in your life that has helped you be successful Oh, well, the the fortitude of just never giving up. You know, I think that I had a lot of time to think to myself when I was in the hospital bed for the first 13 years of my life. And it could have been just really easy for me to throw in the towel and say, you know what, this is really hard. This really hurts. It's not easy for me to get up and I can have people just do things for me. But then I realized that 
that's not why I'm here. Whether you're religious, whether you're spiritual, whether it doesn't really matter. But I do think that each and every one of us has a purpose. And I think that everyone's goal in life should be aligning your passion with your purpose. So find that thing that you're passionate about. Find that thing that actually lights your fire. And it may not be the job you're currently in today. It may not even be the hobby that you like to do on the weekend. But if you find that thing that does actually um, you know, get you up in the morning, you know, and that could be being a parent even, uh, but find that thing and then find a way that you can, you know, kind of mold that thing into some sort of a life or career. It doesn't mean that you have to grind and do the typical nine to five. And you'll know this, uh, Rick, as an entrepreneur yourself, you don't necessarily have to do it the nine to five. Sometimes it takes more than 40 hours in a week, especially when you're starting a business to get it going. But if you believe in yourself enough, that's the number one thing because there are so many times in that first year of business when I could have given up because I, I could have said to myself, uh-oh, this is not working. And uh, man, I got to get some more word of mouth out there for people to understand who I am. But I trusted myself and I trusted the process. And if you truly believe in your plan and what it is that you want to do and your passion and purpose, it will find a way to kind of uh, highlight those golden nuggets for you, so to speak. Dude, that's incredible. Thanks, my man. Everyone, Marco Pasqua, www.like.ventures. Thank you for being on. And like I said, dropping so much truth bombs today, man. Just incredible. I, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And if anyone is interested, because we have pivoted now to a virtual event, uh, we are looking for sponsors and in-kind sponsors, people who want to contribute to a digital event in the aspect of technology, innovation, healthcare, that kind of thing. So if you are interested, you can uh, email sponsors at like.ventures uh, to kind of reach out or info at like.ventures and our uh a director of marketing, she'll get back out to you. And, and I just wanted to make one reference before I get off the show as well. I love that the show is called All In because my biggest hobby is I'm a massive poker player. I love poker so much. And the fact that this conversation is all in as much as I feel that I am a risk taker in life and in business and in card games, I, I feel like you've helped me to kind of go all in today in this conversation, Rick. So thank you so much. Dude, thank you, brother. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520. Follow me on social media, at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message.